Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Monday of the 23rd week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I have been told as an undoubted fact that one of you is living with his father's wife. This is a case of sexual immorality among you that must be unparalleled even among the pagans. How can you be so proud of yourselves? You should be in mourning. A man who does a thing like this ought to have been expelled from the community. Though I am far away in body, I am with you in spirit and have already condemned the man who did these things as if I were actually present. When you are assembled together in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I am spiritually present with you, then with the power of our Lord Jesus, he is to be handed over to Satan, so that his sensual body may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. The pride that you take in yourselves is hardly to your credit. You must know how even a small amount of yeast is enough to leaven all the dough, So get rid of the old yeast, and make yourselves into a completely new batch of bread, unleavened as you are meant to be. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Let us celebrate the feast, then, by getting rid of all the old yeast of evil and wickedness, having only the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lead me in your justice, Lord. Lead me in your justice, Lord. You are no God who loves evil. No sinner is your guest. The boastful shall not stand their ground before your face. Lead me in your justice, Lord. You hate all who do evil. You destroy all who lie. The deceitful and bloodthirsty man the Lord detests. Lead me in your justice, Lord. All those you protect shall be glad, 
and ring out their joy. You shelter them, in you they rejoice, those who love your name. Lead me in your justice, Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. My sheep listen to my voice, says the Lord. I know them, and they follow me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. On the Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching him to see if he would cure a man on the Sabbath, hoping to find something to use against him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Stand up, come out into the middle. And he came out and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I put it to you, is it against the law on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Then he looked round at them all and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was better. But they were furious and began to discuss the best way of dealing with Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, I don't think we can let the first reading pass by without a comment. Um, Have a listen to what Paul says to the Corinthians. I've been told as an undoubted fact that one of you is living with his father's wife. Well, um, okay. Uh, Now, presumably, we're talking about this bloke living with his stepmother. Because you would think if, you know, it was his mother, then, then Paul would have said, you know, he's living with his mother rather than talking about his father's wife. Um, but either way, there's, there's something seriously wrong about this. Now, if we were thinking of a modern comparison to imagine what Corinth was like back in um, Paul's time, um, I think something like Amsterdam, Las Vegas, you know, a bit of Sin City, I suppose. Cosmopolitan, avant-garde, not burdened with the stuffiness and mores of the past. So you can hear what Paul thinks about all of that. He's baffled why the rest of the Christian community hasn't said anything, hasn't taken a stand against this situation. He says to the Corinthians, how can you guys be so proud of yourselves? You should be in mourning. A man who does that ought to have been expelled from the community. Like, why are you guys so blasé about this? It's worse than that, though. It's not just that they're being, you know, sort of flippant about it, that they're proud of the response that they're making. Paul says, how can you be so proud of yourselves? And then then a little bit later, you know, that the pride you take in yourselves is hardly to your credit. I mean, let's face it, it's not hard to imagine the kind of slogans that must have been going through the uh, Christian community in Corinth, Um, you know, We're very inclusive. We're very accepting. Love is love. Who am I to judge? As long as they're not hurting anyone else. Maybe something of, you know, what today we would call um, virtue signaling. And there's a bit of a flip that happens here. Paul's Paul's outraged more at the Corinthians, it seems, than, than at the situation itself. Because they've done, you know, enough mental gymnastics to actually make themselves proud of what's happened. So, okay, with regards to the guy, 
Paul says, look, you've got to excommunicate him from the Christian community. Now, that sounds pretty harsh, but the reason why is because, well, firstly, it properly expresses the reality of what he's done. He has actually already separated himself from the Christian community, and and you guys are just masking the fact that that's what's happened. Um, So, make it clear. And not in order to exclude him, but in order to bring him to repentance. That knowing the consequences of what's happened by means of his actions, that he can come back, he can repent, he can turn away from sin. So, you know, the excommunication is understood to be a a restorative penalty. Interestingly, Paul says that um, it's only the guy who really ought to be excommunicated and not the um, stepmother, um, presumably because um, it would seem that the stepmother's not a member of the Christian community. What's interesting, though, is that, you know, Paul's reasoning is actually grounded more in theology than it is in, you know, morals. Um, Paul here is pointing towards the Christian community as being the reason why this is such a problem. Listen to this. He says, You must know how even a small amount of yeast is enough to leaven all the dough, to get rid of all the old yeast and make yourselves into a completely new batch of bread, unleavened as you are meant to be. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Let us celebrate the feast then by getting rid of all the old yeast of evil and wickedness, having only the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, not all of this is present in the text which I've just quoted, um, but it, it's grounded in you know the the understanding of the theology of the church that Paul gives in his writings. But you know he says unequivocally that look, being the church, we are drawn together, we are incorporated into the body of Christ. You know we're not just a club. We're not just an association, we're not just you know a, a political party, but that we've been constituted spiritually, and we have been united to Christ and to each other so intimately, such that we become members of the body of Christ. You know, in, in Corinthians 12, um, he's going to say, you know, that just as a body is one, but it has many parts, so too it is with the body of Christ. We're all its members. Again, not in the sense of being, you know, members of a club or, or having the same kind of um, philosophy or opinion or, or, or faith. Like, no, no, no. We, we're drawn together into one living body, one organism. That's how we're united to Christ. That's how we're united to each other. You know, next chapter, Paul actually confronts a, another problem in the Christian community in Corinth, and that's that's the one of Christians visiting the temple prostitutes. And, and he says to them, look, guys, there are two things you've got to remember. One, you are members of the body of Christ. You are a living part of this organism of the body of Christ. And two, the sexual act makes two one flesh. So what are you doing You're uniting the body of Christ with a prostitute. And so Paul, you know, doesn't end up actually making a moral argument and saying, oh, this is the reason why these actions are bad. He ends up making a theological and ecclesiological, like, you know, about the theology of the church. He ends up making an ecclesiological argument. Look, this isn't on because, you know, you're members of the body of Christ. And look at what you're uniting the body of Christ to. 
And, you know, if we've got this in the back of our minds, it helps us to understand a little bit, um, you know, the penalty of excommunication then. To be practically cut off from the Christian community is to make visible the spiritual reality of what the sinner has done. At this point, it's probably worthwhile opening up a little parenthesis to remind us of the gospel from Sunday yesterday, uh, you know, that it's only after a long process of trying to seek reconciliation that, that the measure is taken of treating the unrepentant sinner as a pagan or a tax collector, and that this is a measure that's applied by the community. All right, close parenthesis. So let's take this analogy then of the body of Christ and apply it to what Paul is saying to the Corinthians here in our text today. You must know how even a small amount of yeast is enough to leaven all the dough. So get rid of all the old yeast and make yourselves into a completely new batch of bread, unleavened as you are meant to be. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Let us celebrate the feast then by getting rid of all the old yeast of evil and wickedness, having only the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, if we're called to be the body of Christ, then... According to this Eucharistic image, we need to be the unleavened body of Christ. If we're going to be incorporated as grains into this one loaf, it needs to be the unleavened loaf of the Passover. And a little bit of yeast can ruin the whole batch. So it seems that Paul's a little bit upset that the Corinthians haven't got a care for the whole community, for the whole loaf, if you like. Uh, And so he kind of steps in and goes, well, if you guys aren't going to deal with this, I'm going to deal with it. (laughs) Even if I can't be physically present, I'm spiritually present among you. You know, still a member of the body of Christ, even though I'm not in Corinth. So from an admittedly rather weird situation of, you know, this man living with his stepmother, we've learned a couple of important things about the church. Firstly, how in Christ we are so closely united to one another and to him so as to be members of the one body, so that we are part of the one unleavened bread of the Passover. And secondly, that we're actually involved in one another's lives, such that if I'm not what I should be, it bears an impact on the rest of the Christian community. If one part of the body is failing, however secretly, it affects the whole body. I think it's a helpful picture to carry around with us during the day to really understand ourselves as members of the body of Christ, as part of the Eucharist. See how that affects our conduct. If I imagine myself carrying a pyx with the Blessed Sacrament in my pocket all the time, because like that's who I am. I'm part of the body of Christ, and I carry the body of Christ wherever I go. Let's keep that picture in our mind. And let's see if it changes the way that we approach our lives today. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, 
graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.